uh, when I was was preaching once. It was a really old, older fellow. I'm not being disrespectful by saying that, but he was in a, a room where he couldn't see the preacher. And uh, I had forgotten to do it. And while he was making his, well, maybe he could, he was making his way out. Then I realized and I flipped it on and he's trying to wave to me to the back. And I'm like, yep, I got it. You know, but he didn't understand that. So we went to uh, go back and went in, uh, back into his room and then realized I had uh, turned it on. But I think I'm probably telling too many stories. I'm going to get all mixed up here. But uh, well, I know uh, the, the I once sang a solo in North Carolina where it went really high and it went really low. And uh, with me, I had to change octaves while I was singing. And what was bad is sometimes it got too high for me and my voice cracked. And then I went an octave lower and then it got too low for me. So it was a really bad solo, but I rem- I'll remember that solo for the rest of my life. The reason I'll remember it is because it was a Sunday morning, and uh, it's a terrible solo. I mean, I am singing so badly, but I knew this. I can't, you know, I can't go like this. I can't act like I'm ashamed. I, I, I mean, I knew I could not do that, so I just decided to keep looking forward. And what was really hard for me to do is it was hard for me as I'm walking back in my seat. I just sang the worst solo of all time. You know, I would be tempted to just keep my head down, but I wasn't going to do it. I was going to keep my head head uh, straight. And it was funny, uh, the guys that were from the college that I, I went to, they didn't bring that up for months. It was that bad. They didn't talk about it for months. And I brought it up months later. And yeah, they brought it up then. And it's like, that was terrible, Brian. That was, and it was. But uh, still, it was a test for me to walk back to my seat without put, without putting my eyes to the ground. So maybe I'm proud of myself for, in a good way, for keeping my head head up. And, uh, but anyway, Ezekiel chapter number 33 tonight. Ezekiel and chapter number 33, we have thoroughly enjoyed uh, this week. Um, <laughs> sometimes I make some statements that, uh, that might sound arrogant, and I'm going to make it, but I have it for a point. I know I've been a blessing. <laughs> that sounds proud, doesn't it? But you know what? You know why I say that is because the Word of God is a blessing. And if I preach the Word of God, I know that the blessing of God comes along with it. So I make statements like that sometimes for a purpose, uh, to just because I know that the Word of God is a blessing. That's why I say that. Ezekiel chapter number 33. Uh, why, don't we, why don't you stand out of reverence for God's Word? Ezekiel and chapter number 33. Ezekiel and chapter number 33. And I'll start reading from verse number 30 of Ezekiel and chapter number 33. Ezekiel 33 and verse number 30 says, Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument." 
For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. Thank you very much. At this time, you may be seated, please. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, you know I, I passionately believe in, in going all the way uh, to the end. And uh, Lord, this is not, may we not focus on this as the last sermon of the week. But Lord, may we focus on this as a time in which we can hear from you, in which we can learn from you. And uh, God, I pray that we would learn something tonight, that we would apply your word. Lord, any time your word is given forth, uh, you can convict and you can convince. And the individual uh, can repent and uh, you can change their life as a result of it. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight uh, that this would happen. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I, I, I just know that I am weak. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us tonight. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The purpose for this message tonight is that everyone assembled would decide that they are not just going to be a hearer of the Word of God, but that they also are going to be a doer. There are parts of fundamental Christianity that look at preaching as another form of entertainment. God's desire is not that preaching would be entertaining, but that the foolishness of preaching would accomplish His work through His Word. A few years ago, I was preaching in Illinois, and I uh, had a tremendous meeting. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that meeting. And uh, there was, I think it was a Sunday through Wednesday meeting, and uh, everything was going uh, going well. And uh, as uh, as you've been there for uh, longer, you get to know the people more. And uh, from the pastor, you get to know even some uh, of the people's struggles some more and more. And you just get to learn to know the people. And uh, I started to figure out uh, early that week that uh, there was an individual there who used to be a sheriff. He is a, he's a retired sheriff or he, and, and now he went into, uh, he went into, um, uh, used cars or, or a car dealership with his son. And this, uh, fella was known, uh, he was not a Christian. Now he was a very moral man. He was a very good man. He was a, he was a, he was a sheriff and he could tell you, uh, how bad alcohol is because he could see its effects all of the time. But he had an issue. He was not a saved man. He had an issue, and he, he would come to church on Sunday mornings. He was. I asked the pastor, and he said he was pretty much a, a Sunday morning uh, type of person. And uh, so, you know, I hear all these things earlier in the week. I don't do a lot of thinking about it, you know, because it's early in the week. But he came again on Sunday night, and then he came again on Monday night. And I started to hear about him a little more. What his issue was, the reason now his wife was saved, but the reason that he would not get saved is because he knew that if he got saved, he would have to forgive his son. Now, what happened with this was he and his son uh, were working together uh, with this uh, car dealership, but he decided that he wasn't making any money off of it, so he decided he was going to get out of it. And that left the son with the car dealership. And the, car, uh, the, the son got upset about that. He got mad about that. Now, the father just wanted to get away from it, you know, because he, it just wasn't working out for him. And the son became bitter about that. And what the son decided to do about that was he decided to badmouth his dad 
all over town. And he turned a lot of people against his dad. Now, the dad just got out of it because it just wasn't working out for him. But he certainly wanted his son to succeed in it. But he didn't think that his son was going to turn around and and just smack him around verbally to every other person to where people were turned against this man. And now this man got bitter at his son. And there was extreme hatred there. And he said, I will never get saved. Because if I get saved, I know I'm going to have to forgive my son, and I'm not doing that. Now, in some ways, in some small way, I can respect him for that. You know, I can respect him for not making a profession of faith, having bitterness against his son. I mean, the man's got some understanding. But at the same time, he said, I will never get saved. So come Monday night, I start to learn about this. I'm like, hey, he's showing up and I understand now that he's not saved. And I think I understand that he's got some bitterness against his son. And I'm thinking, man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, if this guy can get saved in my meeting, man, that would be such a blessing to do. That would be just awesome. Monday night comes, I give the invitation and he doesn't, he doesn't come. Tuesday, I start to do some thinking. And this is not easy for me to do. But I started to think, you know, here's this man. He, he's lost. His wife is saved. His wife wants him to be saved. The people in the church want him to be saved. The pastor has talked with him plenty of times. Here comes Tuesday, and I start to think to myself, should I aim, should I aim this message? <laughs> should I put my scope on, and should I... Nail him, you know, now, not from a bad perspective, but should I aim for this guy? Should I? As I preach, and I'm, and, uh, and I'm thinking about this, you know, and I decided I have a forgiveness message. It's not the message, uh, that I did, uh, the other day here, but I do have a forgiveness message. And uh, I'm just thinking to myself, should I do this? Should I, should I preach this, uh, forgiveness message? And at times when I have to do that, uh, seriously, preaching is not as easy as it might look. Sometimes when I get up to preach, I am nervous, not because I'm getting up in front of people, but I know many times what I'm preaching is not going to be accepted, and I know I'm stepping in the devil's territory, and I know somebody might take a shotgun and shoot me while I'm preaching at the same time, and that was one of those times that it happened. I mean, I got up, and uh, I, I started preaching, and I was just nervous. My knees were cracking, and I was probably, my voice was cracking a, as well. And I got up and preached, and I preached the forgiveness message. And though even his wife said at the end, boy, my husband really needed that. And I give the invitation. I, I made sure the gospel was given there. And I give the invitation, and I'm hoping this guy comes. It's a Tuesday night, and uh, he doesn't come. And I'm just like, well, I did what I was supposed to do. You know, I, I preached the Word of God, and I guess it'll really tell. Now, this guy only came Sunday morning. He would never come any other time, and he's lost, and he keeps coming to these meetings. Come Wednesday night, that's when the night was going to end. And I'm thinking, wow, if he shows up tonight, after I pretty much aimed right at him Tuesday night, it'll be amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's got to get saved. I mean, he it's his, he's making the choice to come. I'm thinking if he comes Wednesday night, he's he's got to get saved. And I see him Wednesday night. He comes into the back and he talks with the pastor, and he and he and he says uh, says to the pastor, "Boy, that young fella sure got some good messages." He says that on a Wednesday night. And then what happens uh, Wednesday night? I I preach the gospel again, and he doesn't come. 
and he doesn't get saved. And I wrote an email to the pastor after that, like a year later, and I said, did such and such ever get saved? And he said, no, he never did. Now, the purpose of this message is this. You'll notice in verse 32, it says, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. This man was not interested in obeying Almighty God. He was not interested in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So the title of my message tonight is this. Let's go hear the preacher preach. Let's go hear the preacher preach. Verse number 30, it says, Also thou son of man, son of man referring to Ezekiel, God is saying these words right here, The children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. Now that might seem like it's negative against, but it's actually not. They were speaking positively about the preacher. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. Now, to be honest with you, there is some preaching that is more entertaining than others, because sometimes they're funny, and, you know, that's pretty much about it. But that is not... I'm seeing this a, a, a lot today that they're, they're not interested in coming to hear what the Word of God says unless the preacher is really good. I call this, first of all, verse number 30, the popularity of the preacher. Now, when there's an individual that comes and just decides to come and hear the preaching but does not want to obey God, what is it that they lack? Why is it that somebody would do that? It's because they have a lack of the fear of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the fear of God is something that is very, very important. I've been thinking about the fear of God recently. Now, what is the fear of God? The fear of God is not an afraidness. Now, if I walk down inner city uh, Chicago at 2 o'clock in the morning by myself, that's not the kind of fear that we're talking about here. That's an afraidness. The fear of God is something that is different. For instance, I don't want my children to be afraid of me. That would be a terrible thing if my children were afraid of me. However, at the same time, in this context of the fear of God, it's a good thing if my children fear me. It's not a good thing if they're afraid of me, but if they fear me, that's a good thing, because it's the same kind of fear that we should have of God. We're not afraid of God. You know, when we're in trouble, we're not afraid. We don't want to run away from Him. The reality is we want to run to Him. But our fear of Him, we fear His holiness. We fear Him because we know His power. We are uh, afraid. We, we fear the fact of, uh, of not obeying His Word. And that is a tremendous fear to have. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if we ever uh, listen to the preacher, uh, but we don't, we are not interested in obeying the very words of God, we are definitely showing that we don't have a fear of God. And we need that fear of the Lord, because that fear of God is something that is going to change us and cause us to always obey the word of God. 
And we can start to fear the Lord when we get to know Him. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 4. i got to turn there. That uh, slips my mind right now as to what that verse says. Proverbs 22 verse number 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Speaking of the fear of God as well, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 27 says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Why is it that here in Ezekiel chapter number 33, that they love to hear what the preacher had to say, and Ezekiel was a good preacher? Why? He was giving the words of God. But why? Is it that they did not want to uh, obey the words? Now, they weren't obeying Ezekiel. They were not. It's not that they weren't obeying Ezekiel. They weren't obeying God. God's plan is never that the preaching be the key. You come for the preaching. You, you really, you come for the word of God to find out what it is that God has to say. That is so important for us to know precisely and accurately what it is that God says. That is something that I am searching for as a preacher. I am in the Word of God because I want to know and I need to know what it is that God says. Why? Because if I don't know what God says, I can't obey Him. I can't please Him. And the only way that I can obey Him and the only way that I can please Him is if I know what He wants. Then I can obey him and then I can please him. And that's why we need to know what the word of God says. These people in Ezekiel 33 didn't care what God had to say. They just wanted to listen to the preacher. Even though he was preaching the word of God, what was their problem? They had a lack of the fear of God. They didn't realize that the words that they were given were not, was not the words of Ezekiel. They were the words of Almighty God. I am so thankful for who God is. I love who God is. Can I be honest with you? One of the reasons that I love who God is is just yesterday. I read, I told Pastor about it. Uh, I might have told somebody else about it too. But uh, remember the story about uh, Korah and his sons and Nadab and Abihu. I think it was Nadab and Abihu who were uh, rebelling against Moses and were saying, you take too much against you. Uh, Mo- uh, Moses, you know, they were uh, shooting at uh, Moses here. And, and he said, look, we'll take the censors and we'll see who God, who uh, if God is really for me or not. And I, I just love what the Lord did when he in speaking to Moses. He's just like, Moses, Moses didn't have to say, God, what is it that you think? Are, are you really for me? God didn't even talk about that at all. He just said to Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, get out of the way because I'm going to consume these people in a moment. You know what's amazing about the Lord? Isaiah chapter 61, verse number one, I, I think. I might be off on that. But it says that I, the Lord, I think I'm off on that. But it says, I, the Lord, love judgment. I, the Lord, love judgment. Now, judgment is from two different perspectives. Judgment is positive and judgment is negative. For instance, if I walk with God, if I, if I believe the Bible, if I make sure that my life is right with him, Almighty God is going to bless me because he's a God of judgment. 
He, he judges. Uh, judgment isn't always bad. Judgment is many times good. Okay? And from this perspective, it was good, but God is also a God of negative judgment as well. And I am thankful for that. Hey, as, as Christians, and as a Christian myself, I am thankful uh, for negative judgment. I am. You know, because if it wasn't for a belief in negative judgment from God, and it's not coming from me, it's, it's coming from God, uh, then I would be, I'd be more, de- I'd be depressed. You know, because I'm thinking God will never hold these people accountable. But that's not who God is. He's a God that loves judgment. Now with us, uh, uh, just speaking of the popularity of the preacher here in verse number 30, how they, they would talk about the preacher, but they did not want to do what it is that God had to say. We need to make application to what the Bible says. I'm going to read from James and chapter number two at uh, this time. James and chapter number two, folks, when we see what the word of God says, we have to make application. To be honest with you, I, God, I caused my life to be changed. Uh, I repent. I confess more in uh, when I read the Bible myself than when I listen to preaching. That's really the time where I really, I mean, I've said it for years and I'll keep saying it. I would rather read my Bible than listen to preaching. <laughs> now, that might sound bad, but when I read my Bible, I mean, I just get the whole thing. I mean, it's just, it's just there. You know, and it's just, there's so much, uh, so much power with it. And we've got to know precisely what it says, but no application made. We have to make application. James chapter 2 verse number 17 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? What are they doing? They're making application. Verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see, you see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So you can't just believe something in the Bible and have that good enough. We have to apply precisely what it says. And I hope you do that in your own Christian life. I hope you do that. I hope when you read the word of God or you hear it in church that you understand it, that you seek to understand it. And most certainly you apply it to your life, which means you change what you're doing to conform to what the Bible says. That's what we need today. That's what we need in our churches is to conform, is to have the people in the church, the individuals in the church, conform to the precise words of God. Let's go back to Ezekiel in chapter number 33. We talked about the popularity of the preacher. Now I want to talk about the popularity of the world. Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse number 31. The Bible says, And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, 
but their heart goeth after their covetousness. These people here were covetous people. They wanted to please themselves. They wanted to please themselves. In many ways, that is done through the world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The apostle Paul was mourning and wrote, uh, wrote to, I believe it was to Timothy or to Titus and said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. The world can be popular. Rather than obeying God, we can go with our covetousness. We can go with what our heart wants. What they say is not coming from the heart. These people in Ezekiel chapter 33, their heart goeth after their covetousness. With their mouth, they show much love. I'm going to read a verse from the book of Romans in chapter number 3. Romans 3 and verse number 13 says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. They were living for this life. In Ezekiel 33, that's what they were doing. They loved to hear the preaching of the Word of God, but they never obeyed it. They just liked to hear it. Mark chapter 8, verse number 34 says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The popularity of the world here in Ezekiel 31, they were living for themselves. They were living for what they could get out of it, what they could live in their life and the enjoyment that they could have from the things that the world offers. But yet they still love to listen to the preacher. It's amazing. Let's go to the next verse. Verse number 32. And lo... Thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice. And can, remember, this is God speaking here. Lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. This is amazing. Ezekiel was a prophet of God. And when we think of these prophets, you know, I think of them being killed. I think of them being persecuted. But with Ezekiel, it was actually quite different. They didn't want to hear the, they didn't want to do the word of God, but they didn't mind listening to it. They actually enjoyed it so much that they would talk about it amongst themselves. Verse 32, this, I call this the unpopularity of the word of God. The unpopularity of the word of God. I'm going to read a verse from Mark chapter number six. Mark chapter number 6, verse 17 says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him, and would have killed him, but she could not. 
For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and unholy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. He loved to listen to John the Baptist. He just didn't want to listen to the words of God that came from the lips of John the Baptist. You know, I think of Lot when I think of this unpopularity of the word of God. Lot was a man who was in Sodom and Gomorrah. He shouldn't have been there in the first place. And the two angels come to Lot saying, look, Lot, you got to get out of town because God is going to destroy this area. God has said he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot, you got to get out. How did Lot respond? The Bible says, and while he lingered. Remember, the angels were sent to Lot. I mean, we're talking about angels were sent to Lot. God is going to destroy this city, Lot. you got to get out of town. And he said, well, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get my stuff together. You know, I'll just, I'll pack up here. Just be patient with me. You know, he obviously did not have a reverence for the word of God at that time, knowing that God had sent the angels to Lot. Lot, you got to get out of here. He really didn't care all that much. The Bible says while he lingered. You know, if God said to me here in Spooner, Wisconsin, if he whispered in my ear right now, Brian, you've got to get out of Spooner, Wisconsin as fast as you can because God's going to destroy the city. You know what I would do? I have a Bible in my hand. I got my message back there. I got my stuff right, I got my stuff right there. My wife's purse is right there. I think what I would do, if God said to me he's going to destroy this city, I would actually, I think I would probably set my Bible, I'd probably throw my Bible because I have other Bibles. I would leave that stuff there. I would immediately go out that door as fast as I could. I'd go to that other room. I'd probably start yelling and screaming down there to my kids and to my wife to get up here. We would go to the van. I'd leave you all in here. I would go, I would go to the van. I'd open it up as fast as I could. I'd throw the kids in there. I'd get my wife in there and we would peel out of town. Why? God's going to destroy the city. But with Lot, and while he lingered, he just kind of hung around. Folks, we can't do that. That can't be our attitude about the Word of God. We have got to obey it because I can guarantee you if you're not, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on that sweet fellowship between the, between God and yourself. You're missing out on those little blessings that once again show the power of God. But what's the purpose of Christianity? The purpose of Christianity is to have a relationship with God. It's not just to work for God. It's to have that close relationship. And when we decide that we're not going to obey, we're just going to obey parts of the Bible, but not all, God knows that we're really not as serious as we could be. And our relationship with Him is therefore affected. We're not as close to God as we should be. I like the saying, you're as close to God right now as you want to be. And Lot, the Bible says, and while he lingered, verse 33, and when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. I call this the unpopularity of the accountability to God. No carnal Christian wants me to listen to my preaching about the accountability to God. I believe a spiritual Christian, when they hear about the accountability to God, it's a sobering thought. And let's try to sober ourselves here for a little bit. Do you realize that someday every single one of us is going to stand before God? 
Every single one of us is going to do that. And you know, at that time, I'm not going to be evangelist Brian Clay. I'm just going to be Brian Clay. At that time, it's not going to be Pastor Fleming. He's going to be Daryl Fleming. I don't call him Daryl Fleming. I call him Pastor Fleming, so I had to remember that. But we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be, you know, I work here, you know, I, I got this retirement, and, uh, you know, I got a hole-in-one and those kind of stuff. That stuff's not going to matter. We're just going to stand before the Lord, every single one of us. And, man, we have to take that soberly. And I've got to take that soberly as well one day. And it's, it's not going to be anything that's just all oh, simple and it's no big deal. We're going to be standing before the God of creation. And no, we're not going to be judged for our sins if we're saved. But we will be judged for our works. Someday, the judgment seat of Christ, someday it's going to happen. You know, we prepare, folks, we prepare for a lot of things. Why am I wearing a suit right now? Because I prepared to bring a suit along knowing that I was going to preach. We prepare for things. We need to prepare for the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before the Lord someday, before the Lord Jesus Christ, with those holes, with the nail prints, and with the side that was that was uh, pierced. We're going to stand before that same Jesus Christ. What's going to happen there? Romans chapter number 14 and verse number 12 says this. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Second Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse number 10 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. I call verse number 33 the unpopularity of the accountability to God. These people here in Ezekiel chapter 33 were not thinking about the fact that what Ezekiel is saying was actually someday going to affect their life. Look at what it says. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. That's encouraging for me. I like to say, you know, many times, I believe this with all of my heart. I get up to preach. It happens, I'm sure, a lot. I get up to preach and people are thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. That's just your problem. That's your craziness. That's your weird thoughts. You know what I want to say to him? Lo, it will come. What I'm saying is true. You may not believe it now, but someday you will. Someday it is going to be revealed. It is going to be manifested. And I believe this with all of my heart. When I preach someday, many people are going to look back, even in my young ministry, and they're going to say, you know what? I mocked it then. But I shouldn't have. Because what he was saying was true if I'm preaching the word of God. When this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. It's going to come. The accountability to God is going to come. It's going to happen. The promise here from God, when this cometh to pass, he's saying, lo, it's going to come. When this cometh to pass, it's going to come. He's reminding them, hey, Ezekiel, this is going to come. It's going to happen. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. You see, Ezekiel is not at fault here. Ezekiel was just doing what he was supposed to be doing, but they looked at him as entertainment, but someday they're going to realize he was just not just an entertainer, but he was a prophet of God. He wasn't just an entertainer. He was God's man sent down to preach the word of God so that people's lives could be helped and for the honor and glory of God. 
They didn't realize that then. But I can guarantee you, right this second, they now understood what Ezekiel's purpose was. His purpose was not to entertain. His purpose was not to bring in the masses. They now know, I guarantee you, if Ezekiel got up in this pulpit and all those people in Israel came uh, came to this service here, they would not be excited that they get to hear the words of God. What they would do is they would sit down in their seats. I don't believe there would be any smiles. They would sit down and they would be, get ready to listen to the word of God, and they would know that they've got to do what the preacher says. Not because it's what the preacher says, but what the word of God says. Man, it would be interesting for, for me to preach to those people in Ezekiel chapter 33. It would be a, a quite the sight for me if I got up from this pulpit and I looked down and this place was full. And every single one of them was those people here in verse number 33 that Ezekiel was preaching to who thought that Ezekiel was nothing more than an entertainer. Boy, I wonder what their faces would have lo- would look like if I were to preach to these people now. Some of these people may have been saved. Some of them may have not been, not been saved. But boy, their eyes would have been on me. They would have listened to every word. I'm sure they would have made sure that what I'm saying is truly what the Bible says. But they would have been on me the entire time, I guarantee it. And they would have been obedient to God. Why? Because they understand, verse number 3, once again what God says, and when this cometh the past, lo, it will come. It's just once again God is, is, is stamping it down. It's like putting a double nail into a piece of wood. Hey, this is going to come to pass. We are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ someday then. Also, there's the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter number 20. Those people who have never been saved are going to stand before the Lord someday. They're going to. I can just see the Lord saying, lo, it will come. It will happen someday. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10. The Bible says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the great white throne judgment, and this is going to happen. Next Friday, I'm going to Detroit Lakes to preach the word of God there. You know what? I'm going to prepare for that. And just like I'm preparing for that, as much as I know that's going to take place, you know what? There is a better chance of the great white throne judgment happening than me going to Detroit Lakes next Friday. You realize that? The chances of the great white throne judgment are 100%. The chances of me going to Detroit Lakes, they can't be 100% because anything can happen. Anything could happen to cause me to not go. The unpopularity of the accountability to God. These people, people in Ezekiel chapter 33, they love to listen to the preacher as the Bible says here, but they would never obey God. And God told Ezekiel to tell them, Lo, when this cometh to pass, and it will, they will soon know, Ezekiel, that you weren't just an entertainer. You see, nothing was Ezekiel's fault here. But God says to them, Then shall they know that you're not an entertainer, but you were a prophet. 
What is your view of the Word of God? Is it a nice song to you? Or is it the uncompromising, concrete, confrontational Word of the living God? And as I close out this week, let me sum up this week, and let me sum up this message in five words. You must obey the Bible. You must obey the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time you've given us tonight. Lord, I pray, even in my own life, God, that you would convince me, that you would convict me of the truth of your word, so, Lord, that I can be faithful to it 100%, because I know, Lord, that you are honored and glorified when we seek to obey you 100%. And Lord, I pray for these folks here tonight, Lord, souls just like me. God, I pray that you would uh, convince them and convict them of their need to search the Scripture, to read your Bible, and to pray that they will understand what your Word says so that they can obey it. Lord, I pray tonight that you would convince that they need to not just read the Word of God, but you would convince them that they need to obey every single word. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I'm thankful for your Word. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.